chapter 2, and I want to read one verse before we get there out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Many have questioned the fantastic events around what we call the Christmas story. And yet, let me ask you a question. What is weaker and more helpless than a newborn baby? I, I can't think of anything, and yet that was how the creator God of this universe, the best way I know to describe it was wrapped in human flesh. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as a glory of the Father full of grace and truth. And we look at Luke chapter 2 and verse 7, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We talk about the helplessness, the innocence, the beauty, and the wonder of a newborn baby. I don't know how many of you are like this, but uh, I, when I hear a newborn baby's cry, it always makes me turn around. Uh, if we were to bring a little uh, several-week baby into the auditorium, I'll tell you what, every lady's head would turn around. As soon as they heard that little cry, uh, I remember I've told this story before. I was in Home Depot one time buying stuff for a project in the church. And believe it or not, in, New, in, in Home Depot, I heard that little cry and turned around, and there was a lady carrying a baby that had to have been just a few weeks old, uh, Home Depot's a great place, not for newborn babies. Amen? But still, Home Depot's a lot nicer place than the manger in which Jesus was laid. There was no central heat or air conditioning, no running water. And by the way, how many of you have ever been in a real live working stable? What is the first thing you realize as you walk in the stable? I mean, there's something living in here. It smelled like it died, but I mean, I, uh, we know there's some things going on. And yet, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, <coughs> excuse me, as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, there's no place on this earth that would have been properly fit for Jesus to be born. And so God picked the humblest of all situations and let his son come into this world. Excuse me. You know, that baby had to be protected. When a newborn baby comes into this world, what is the first thing we do? We wrap them up, do we not? Little babies cannot even regulate their own body heat. They have to be kept warm or they can die. 
They had to be protected from the elements and the weather and the things that were going on outside. And hence, the only place they could find protection was in the stable with the animals. <coughs> Excuse me. Later on, it would be Herod's wickedness that the baby would have to be protected from as Joseph would scoop up that baby and they hurried out of the city of Bethlehem. Of course, Bethlehem was a very small town there. Oh, excuse me, I've got... I'll try here, but just a few hours after Jesus was born, the angels appeared to the shepherds, and they came to see him. The Bible said that the angel said, here's a sign. You're going to find Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And so they came to see this thing that the Lord had made known unto them, how that the God of heaven, he who was going to rule and reign forever, had taken upon him human flesh. The second verse of our song that was sung this morning, let's go to Mark chapter 4. In verse 35, Jesus had said unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Verse 36, And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, And the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. We had him as he was born, laid in a manger. Here he was, laid in the back of a ship, asleep on a pillow. As the waters beat into the ship, and if you could get the picture, this was not a Uh, a big ocean-going vessel, just a little fishing boat, maybe of 20, 25 feet long. The waters had, uh, the waves had come up over the sides of the ship, and in my mind's eye, if you would see the picture of Jesus laying in the back of this ship in the water, lapping at his robes, sleeping peacefully, The disciples are bailing water with everything they can, their hands and whatever kind of pot or cup they might have. And 
the water is coming into the ship much faster than they can go out. And finally, someone turns around. We don't know which one it was. And they see Jesus laying asleep. And they say, don't you understand? We need all hands on deck. We need everyone. And he just stood up. What's the Bible tell us here? Let's just read. Verse 38, And he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said un, say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? We see another picture of Jesus here. The first is a helpless babe, laid in a manger of straw. The second would almost seem that he is totally unconcerned with the great catastrophic events that are happening all around him and to those that he cares the most about. And he simply stands up and says, Peace be still, and the storm was gone. And the waves were still. He asked them a question. He says, Why don't you have any faith? And the question would be, Faith in what? Well, it was verse 35. He said, Let us go to the other side. You see, faith is simply believing God's word. Isn't that right? Jesus is God. He said, let's go to the other side. If you're going to believe what he said, it really doesn't matter what happens in between now, does it? But it sure did to those disciples now, didn't it? And it sure does to you and me. Because we get nervous with what's going on right now. And when we do, we take our eyes off him who knows the beginning and the end. And we begin to accuse him of doing things that he never has done. How many here, <clears throat> if they would be honest today, would say, yes, there's been a time in my life where I wasn't sure that God really cared about what was going on in my life and what was going on about me. He was laid in the, sheep, in the ship, his head on a pillow, trying to get some rest. He knew what was going to happen. He was always on time. Why do we worry when the Savior is there? Amen. But we do. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. The context of this, we see him as, uh, laid as a helpless babe in a manger, trying to get some rest in the back of a ship during the storm. In Luke chapter 9, Let's go to verse 57, and we'll read through the end of the chapter here. Just... 
It says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he saith unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go and bid them farewell, which are at my home, at, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now what we have here is we have people, one person says, Lord, I'll follow you. His answer was, I don't even have a place to lay my head. You know, Jesus was saying, I have nothing of this world's goods to give to you. There's a whole realm of religion and we won't spend too much time there. They use God as some type of means of procuring what they want. Jesus was preaching against that right here. He says, I don't, eat, I don't own a home. I don't have property somewhere. We don't have a compound up in the mountains of Galilee overlooking the lake uh, where we can fish and relax and come and, and take care of ourselves. He said, listen, I don't even have a place that I can call my own to lay my head. Yet he created it all, amen? Another one said, well, let me go home and bury my father. Well, there was inheritance rights that were along with that. And he said, let me just, Lord, I'm willing to follow you as long as I can hold on to the few things I have here on earth. And Jesus said, doesn't work that way. Another one said, well, at least let me say goodbye. And Jesus said, no man. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, we have things. And of course, in a few days is Christmas. What am I going to get? Somebody said, well, I think more about what I'm going to give. Now, I wouldn't want to doubt your veracity. But all of us, it is more blessed to give than to receive, but getting is a lot more fun. And that, honestly, the way we operate as human beings? If you can't be honest in church, could I challenge you, you won't be honest anywhere. There's nothing wrong with enjoying that. And we ought to make as many memories as we can during this Christmas season. Parents, you can't give your children everything, but you can give them memories of what real love and what real joy and what the Bible really is. 
It'll go a lot farther than any video game or anything that you can give. But when they came to Jesus, he said, listen, I don't even have a place to lay my head that I can call my own. If you're going to follow me, it's not because <clears throat> I'm the only thing that you can do. Sometimes we preachers of the gospel will be a little careless in our preaching and say, listen, you've tried this and you've tried that. Now try Jesus. I want you to understand something today. He is not the last option on your list. He is the only option. He is the only choice. And if he is not the only choice, it's very clear here. You're not fit to be a part of his kingdom. Let's look at one more. Turn with me to John chapter 19, if you would. It's interesting. That as Jesus' life began here on earth, as his human life began, he was laid in a manger. You know why? Because babies can't determine where they're going to lay by themselves. Somebody has to do it for them. Amen? Look with me in John chapter 19 as he ended his earthly ministry. Down to verse 40. They took the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. And they there laid they Jesus. Therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was at hand. I believe it's Matthew where the angel said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. That was resurrection Sunday morning. You see, the dead have no power to care for themselves. It has to be done for them. They wanted to honor Jesus in his death even though they didn't understand completely why he had to die. It was important that the place where Jesus was buried was known. That way no one could say that he had faked a resurrection. It was important that he be buried in a place that was recognized so that there could be ample testimony that he was dead, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. This is the gospel. If you're here today and you're saved, you're saved because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am happy to tell you that you cannot get saved by joining the Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Our church does not offer salvation. <coughs> we offer to tell you about the Savior 
who can save you. Amen? Now, I want you to go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians. And I want to read again 1 Corinthians 1.25, Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is where we're going. How many of you remember the day that you got saved? The day you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Let me ask you a question. Was it because of your strength that you got saved? Was it because of something you did? Some great prayer that you were able to pray? Some incredible uh, feeling of emotion that you were able to generate? I want to challenge you. None of these things save you. Now do they? It is your weakness that saves you. That's what mercy is all about. It's admitting your defeat and asking the victor, Jesus, what he would have you to do. Mercy is an incredible thing, is it not? But you can only receive it after you admit you're defeated. You can only receive mercy once you've surrendered. And by the way, God does not accept conditional surrenders. Lord, I'll I'll do my best. That's not good enough. Lord, I'll show up at church every Sunday. Well, if you haven't been showing up at church every Sunday, I don't expect you to keep showing up at church every Sunday. It's something you got to work at. But you don't get saved because you show up at church. Somebody said, preacher, it's easy for you to go to church. You get paid for it. Uh, Let me tell you something. When I'm on vacation, I go to church. One time we were out in the wilderness. This was many years ago. Our children were little. And in order to get washed up and go to church, you had to get the water and boil it and clean them and all of that stuff. And we all got dressed up. And we had seen a little Baptist church there in the town we were staying uh, fairly close to. It was about a uh, five-mile, eight-mile trek from where we were camping to the church. And we didn't read the sign close enough. They had their Wednesday evening services at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. So we we missed church. But we got ready for it anyway. Andrew might remember that. He was probably about 6 or 7 then. But let me tell you something. I want to be in church because that's where I'm going to learn more about my Savior. I want to be there because every time I go, I admit that I don't have the answers, but God's Word does. 
That's why your daily Bible reading schedule is important. Amen? And by the way, as you leave today, we'd like to give every person here a little present, a Bible reading schedule. You say, Pastor, you tormented me with that all last year. Good. Read it this year and you'll be happy. Whenever I get it out, you'll smile and say, I did mine. Now, don't get proud about it. But let me tell you, it takes a little bit of effort. But when I read God's word, when I go through, let me go back and do it the other way. When I go through a day without spending time in prayer, without acknowledging God, without reading his word, what am I doing? I'm saying, God, I can handle this one by myself. I want to challenge you. You can't. It's weakness. It is the weakness. Now, let's look there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I hope you're there. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul was praying. He said, I have this thorn in the flesh. I prayed that God would take it away from me. And in verse 9, And he, God said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, Jesus was setting an example for you and I in the manger. Weakness. Helplessness. Till you're there, you can't be saved. Once you are saved, you get to stay there. It is only when you admit that you're helpless that you'll trust in God enough to live for Him through the day. And by the way, you can only live for Him just one moment at a time. You can't live for the Lord a week at a time or a month. You can't handle all of the situations even in one day. It's got to be a moment-by-moment basis with which we admit our weakness and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's look at one more verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we are also weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. Now this last verse is the crux or the center point of the whole message today. See, it was Jesus' weakness 
that he set the example. He did not show his power when they came to crucify him. It would have been interesting. Pontius Pilate was trying to figure out where Jesus came from. All Jesus would have had to do was pull back the veil that covered his glory. And the entire Roman legions would have dissipated at the sight. But he didn't. Because he needed to die the sinless lamb of God in our place. That we could be made free from our sins. He wants you and I to live. The way he lived. You know, I've used this example before and just use it again when little Matthew was born. He was born way before his time. And I don't think I've ever remember seeing so many little tubes and wires out of one little body in my entire life. And we prayed and prayed and the doctors were trying to explain to John and Linda and and we, my wife and I had the opportunity to be there on a couple of occasions and one of the nurses just kind of leaned over and said, you know, we, we don't think John and Linda really understand how severe this problem is. And we just smiled and said, no, I, I don't think you understand John and Linda. You see, they're not being swayed by the circumstances that are happening right now because they believe God is in control. And I remember the doctor saying, he'll probably never walk, he'll probably never be able to understand things, he's going to be severely handicapped at best. None of that's true, is it, Matthew? He's sitting here right now as a testimony to God's grace. You see, while the world was thinking all kinds of things, God was working. You see, when we stop trying to figure out what God's supposed to do, how he's supposed to do it, and by what time we want it done, He may be asleep on the pillow, but he's still the master of the seas. Amen. He died in weakness so that you and I could have strength and victory over sin. We still sin, do we not? But he paid for every one of them. What is the greatest gift a human being can be given? Forgiveness. And only Jesus can give that gift. And it was purchased through his surrender of himself. As Paul wrote it, through his weakness. Yet now he liveth by the power of God. One of the things that's most often said during the Christmas season 
So wish the spirit of Christmas could be every day of the year. Well, let me explain to you as a Bible-believing Christian, that ought to be the way that you live. It is your weakness and your inability, it is your surrender to God that brought you into his family. And oftentimes, you will hear me say, repeatedly over and over again, if you got saved that way, why can't you live that way? If that's what it took to get saved, why would it be something different to live for the Lord? It's not. He was laid in a manger as a helpless baby. I think a lot of people are attracted to that helplessness because it gives them something to do. But I want to challenge you. God already had everything in place that that baby would be protected. Amen. He picked Mary and Joseph because he knew that they would obey him and go to Egypt. He allowed the wise men to come and worship him because he knew that they would listen and not give the information to Herod so that he could attempt to destroy the baby. It was old Peter that wanted to protect Jesus from the cross. How many of you remember that? The only thing he got was an ear. Didn't work out very well, now did it? But when he went back to Jesus for his protection, it was Peter that preached the sermon on the day of Pentecost. I'll tell you what, that's how Jesus wants us to live. Could we look at the example of his weakness? and surrender ourselves and trust in His grace because if I want the power of Christ in my life, I've got to be weak. It's got to be because of Him, not because of me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and I ask that you would let us see the reality of these truths in our mind's eye and in our heart as God the Son wrapped himself in human flesh and became that helpless little baby. As he tried to get rest in the middle of the storm as he told the young man that he had nothing to give of this world's goods, if we're going to follow you, it's not because it is one of many options, it is the only one. And Lord, you were crucified in weakness, but you live today by the power of God, and we ask that you would help us to commit to live unto you by your power. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.